Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Mama Mama, brought to you as always by the lovely Golding Accountancy. For all your accountancy needs, wearegolding.com. Little tip for you, you can do your tax return now. You don't have to wait until the 31st of January to contact an accountant and say, please file my tax return. You can actually do it from now. So if I were you, I'd go to wearegolding.com and uh, ask them to help you. I do like those guys. I know I keep going on about it, but they are very nice. How are you? Have you had a good half term? I've had a nice half term. I don't feel like I've stopped. I always never make any plans because I think we'll just relax and then we end up doing everything. But it's been very nice. I'm not complaining. This week's episode, I was joined by the lovely Andy Chambers, who's a wonderful, wonderful guy. He has set up a company called Born Human and he's going to tell us all about it. But basically, his wife suffered postnatal depression after the birth of their son and he experienced depression as well. And I had a really hard time of it. As you can well imagine, it's an absolutely awful thing. It's very sad. And his experience of that made him want to create something to help people in the same situation or prevent them from getting into that situation in the first place so it's it's really good and it's a really lovely idea and i really enjoyed chatting with him and i hope you do too i'm going to post all the links um if you want to get in touch and enjoy see you on the other side Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Work. Work. Today, I'm joined by the very lovely Andy from Born Human. Hi, Andy. Hi, Amy. <laughs> we know each other from way back, so we're not really strangers, are we? No, not but really. But I did only just find out that you moved to Bath like eight years ago, and I didn't have a clue about that. Shows how much you've been to visit me, Amy, I suppose. I that's <laughs> I've never been to Bath. You should come. Everyone loves it, don't I've, you? I've always wanted to go. I do want to go. It is lovely. Um, like It's a really nice place to just... Everyone, when I first moved out, down from London... There was, I felt like there was some sort of conspiracy because everybody that I met saw it, like leaving drinks and those kind of things, said the same thing to me. It was like word for word. Oh, you're moving to Bath. That's so lovely down there. I wish I could live there. And it's like, well, why don't you then? And why do you keep saying it to me? Like, do, should I not be moving? Like, is there something in this? It's only like a couple of hours out of London, isn't it? Hour, hour and is a half it? on the train. Yeah, it's quite a nice little yeah. journey on the train. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Do you come in? You don't work in London, though, do you? No, I work from home now. You don't so, yeah, yeah. yeah. I ditched well, London. Handy. Yeah, yeah. I'm over London now. I moved when I first yeah. moved. Worked in Bristol for a bit, but um, yeah. Oh, okay. So it was all. A I've never been to Bristol either. Different vibe there. Totally <laughs> um, different vibe. Very well travelled. Yeah. <laughs> That's when I used to do. I used to do a dubstep night, and we used to get a lot of people from Bristol. One of my friends actually used to get on the one pound bus from Bristol to London. The mega bus. Take him all day, yeah, on the mega bus, <laughs> yeah, just to come to the night via Scotland. Basically, that was that was, yeah. that was the price he paid. <laughs> I was just thinking, how much does it cost just to get like a coach? Yeah, I know. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's a big commitment, isn't it? Sitting on a bus all day. I mean, I know it's a quid and that's amazing, but I can't get my head around it. And some we've had friends come and visit, and they've got down here for a pound in under like two hours two and a half hours i can't understand how it works i'll never get my head around it but <laughs> <laughs> but they do sometimes they even oh. put you on a train i think you pay for a mega bus and then it gets replaced by a train so you end up on a train anyway <laughs> <laughs> and save yourself 100 I've quid away. i've never ever heard of train replacement <laughs> bizarre isn't it but yeah it yeah. happens yeah learn something new every day eh? you do learn something <laughs> so I've got you on today to talk about your new venture, which is Born Human. So why don't you start off explaining about what that is and then how you got there? Yeah, okay. <laughs> so Born Human is uh, a mental health consultancy for parents, basically, in the workplace. And we, or I decided to set it up on the back of uh, my own experience and, um, yeah, my lived experience of basically my journey as a parent and also the support that I've given to others along the way and the kind of things that I've been involved yep. with really and kind of what we identified or what we what we believe um so it was done between myself and my co-founder um James Costello who is a 
an author and written books. He's a senior lecturer and counsellor and psychotherapist. Um, excuse my doorbell, if you can hear that. Um, That's all right, I couldn't. Uh, Mine always goes, <laughs> It's another Amazon delivery, I imagine. Um, yeah, so we basically, uh, he'd written a book, unbeknownst to me at the time, he was my counselling supervisor for uh, some other work, charity work that I was doing. And we were talking about kind of, his book subject was, it's called Workplace Wellbeing, a Relational Approach. And the idea is to kind of, in his the book concept in the book is to try and change the way we look at our relationship with work and our uh, our behavior patterns and the way we treat people how how it's kind of um i suppose how work integrates with our, our lives really and just by chance i'd kind of come to him on the basis that i'd been doing some charity work looking at supporting dads and i said i think part of the problem is that this is all being done too late and we need to kind of get ahead of it so Two heads collided and we had a long conversation or a few long conversations, I suppose. And then, um, yeah, so Born Human was is designed really to kind of get upstream a little bit because yeah. one of the things that I, I found and I, I think through the support work that I've done is that a lot of people kind of, when they're, when they're having problems, mental health problems generally, especially as parents, it always comes too late. You're asking for help when you've already got the problem. Whereas actually from my own experience what I wanted to what I realized was that actually if I was better prepared and I had more to offer uh, more to learn in the early days then I'd be better placed to kind of handle that you know what what use is it if I don't know where to go or what to look for then I'm not I'm not kind of geared up to kind of solve the problem so um so yeah so that's sort of where it comes from and and I guess the it the benefit of it really or the way we see it is that it's twofold one it obviously benefits the people that are involved in it but it also benefits the businesses that they're working with because they're investing in their well-being you know absence and presenteeism and all sorts of problems that come with mental health at work are so prevalent and it makes people completely unproductive I guess we've all sat there well before I had kids and since I've had kids where I've sat at work and not really been, I've been in the room, but have I really yeah. been in the room? Um, yeah, yeah. And that's such a huge percentage of people's day, you know? And um, so, yeah, I, I think as from a business perspective, they want people to be as productive as possible, right? And they want people yep. to kind of be engaged in what they're doing, to enjoy their work because then people are more productive, they're loyal, all those yep. kind of factors and really what it takes is kind of open conversation which is everything I've learned in the last 10 years on this earth really I suppose is that um that can change a lot so yeah yeah so that's kind of in a nutshell kind of where we've come to with it and we're only sort of seven or eight weeks old at the moment so it's all very new and very fresh but oh, really um, but you've been doing stuff for a while though right yeah so I my uh, potted history I'll get it quickly so it'll take for a long time otherwise but I was we got all day oh good okay the <laughs> listeners might have I don't imagine but anyway. five part this is five parts <laughs> um yeah so I used to be I was a uh, currency options trader in London and I did that for about 12 years and 
Is that when you all shout at each other? I don't know. Yeah, kind of. Well. I wasn't doing the actual trading. I mean, I use that so that people can kind of reconcile what it is. But if I went into the details, yeah. you'd all fall asleep. But it was in okay. that world as such anyway. And it yeah. was busy. It was hectic. It was, um, yeah, it was high pressure, all those kind of things. And parts of it I enjoyed. But I always kind of, when 2008 came along, I was like, I don't really want to do this anymore. But I don't know what else to do. Um so I sat on my desk kind of in true form, as we just said about sitting there often for about four years, kind of staring at my screen being like, when's this day going to be over? Um, yeah. You know, doing the basics of my job, but not really kind of pushing myself with anything too far. It was just trying to think of a way out really. And um, yeah. And then I guess as it always is that, a good woman can change everything and uh so she did <laughs> so when i met my wife i kind of moved moved to bath and just decided i wanted a fresh start so i moved down here with a um, bit behind me so i knew that i had a bit of time and i did a bit of consultancy work but in the meantime i uh, i went to see my wife's cabinet maker she's an interior designer and we'd gone to visit him about a sample and I'd always got on with him. He was a nice guy. I'd met him a few times before. And he said to me, oh, what are you going to do when you finish? I said, oh, I don't know, Clive, maybe I'll come work with you. And he said, well, you can if you want. I've got a big kitchen to do in the Cotswold starting next week. So I said, all right. Uh, all right, yeah. So, so I did. So two weeks later, I think, I was starting there learning how to make furniture, and which, oh, wow. which was awesome. Like, it was just such a it was totally left field I had no idea where it was coming from and to be honest I didn't really know what the next step kind of looked like you know but um it was just amazing to be doing something that I enjoyed and the last time I've done woodwork I was like 14 at school did you find that you had a knack for it was it hard because I could just imagine people that do things like that you've got to kind of have a bit of a because I imagine it's really quite hard it's quite the the interesting thing with it is that uh, I suppose I did, which is nice. I did kind of take to it quite well. And I, yeah. he says I'm pretty good at it, which is quite a nice thing. I'm I, not just <laughs> my, blowing smoke up my own backside. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so the interesting thing about it is the connection between my old life and my new life is that to be a cabinet maker, you have to be good with numbers and detail yeah. person because it's all about accuracy. So, yeah. interestingly, although I hadn't... You'd, and that's sort of started my brain ticking in some ways because it made me think actually I've got more skills coming out of my old life than I realized I had so there's lots of places you can apply it but I didn't really know where so um yeah so I, I worked with him for a few years and uh learned loads from him it was really nice to be learning in my yeah. older age if that makes sense I yeah. was kind of I that's one thing I always say is I'd love to go to university now yeah because I would appreciate it I wouldn't just copy all my work from my mate who was doing the same modules but we were doing it just to get times. it out of the way yeah like I'd I'd really love to learn now yeah. because I would appreciate it I think it's pointless at 18 it's choice isn't it's not it pointless, I suppose. but you know well at 18 you don't really yeah. know what you want or not always some people no. do but I certainly I think a lot of people kind of sit there and you say, well, what are you going to do? And it's like this pressure of like, you've got to do something like well, yeah. take your pick kind of thing. And I think there's a, there's a bit of a lack of, uh, I don't know, nurture, I suppose. And that, I guess that kind of proves it. Me doing that. I, what I've realized in the yeah. last sort of eight years is that my 
brain is way more creative than I ever realised. But yet nobody at school or college or anywhere had that conversation. Nobody ever said to me, have you ever thought about the fact that you might be a creative rather than, you know, just wanting to go into the city because that's what everyone did who lived in Essex because the money was there and that's where you ran to kind of thing. Um, So, yeah, I mean, from that point of view, it was a... It was a bit of a revelation, but it was also, it was just great. You know, I'd, I would kind of yeah. be quite happy staying there till seven o'clock at night and learning new things. And so I did that for a while. And initially, um, we fell pregnant with our little boy, Wilbur. He's, he's now five. And at that time, one of the things that my wife and quite a few of her friends who are also interior designers always said they struggled with was kids' furniture. They said they never can never find good kids' furniture that's really well made, that's really nicely designed. And I was already making, I'd already taken the decision when we fell pregnant. I was like, well, I'm going to make all this furniture from scratch, like old school, not like, um, not with nuts and bolts, but it will be kind of joints and everything. And yeah, me getting right into kind of like <laughs> Jesus type woodwork, you know. Um, <laughs> And so I made it, I did make all his furniture for him. It was, you know, I made his carts, kind of side tables and all that kind of stuff. And uh, that was a real kind of privilege. But on the back of that, we were like, well, I'd like to sort of carry on with woodwork, but doing something that I enjoy. So I set up a, another a brand called Kid and Bear, which is still going, but it didn't, uh, doesn't look like this anymore. But it was initially intended to be designed for making making kids furniture for kind of Mm. interior designers because most of us in the world don't have the money to burn on um kids furniture because two years later it needs to go in the bin or it doesn't it's taking up too much room so but there are people out there who do spend money on it and are quite happy to kind of thing so that's where we were going to go with it and anyway we had will bird made his furniture that was all done and dusted and i decided when he was born that i'd take some time off because i thought i'll never get that chance again uh you know yeah uh, He's my firstborn. He's the. It was the only time in my life I will ever get to spend that amount of time with him, and I was lucky enough to be able to do that. So, I took nine months off, I think, to be. So we kind of both both were off. Lucy was off on maternity. Um, oh, that's lovely. And it was, yeah. I mean, it was really nice. It had its had its moments, as it always does. But um, I think it was almost like overkill in some ways because two of you caring for one baby is like almost too much. It's like twiddling your thumbs sometimes but not <laughs> well, that. in the early they don't do anything do they but even just for the rest like it, it on just the, the company as well yeah because it's quite lonely if it's just you and a baby they can't talk no, that's there's right. only so much daytime tv you can watch before you go that's insane. right and jeremy <laughs> jeremy carl gets very boring after a while um <laughs> yeah no it's true and it was it was a real privilege like i felt really lucky i kind of felt like from leaving the city, it was like, well, I would never have had this opportunity. You know, I'd have had two weeks leave and that yeah. would have been it, you know. So to yeah. have that chance was pretty amazing. And the hours <clears> as well, like commuting, like you're out the door first thing, aren't you? And you don't get back till, well, I imagine in that kind of job, it's very yeah, hard pressure, yeah. isn't it? So you're probably not getting in till late. We left early. I was, you know, in banking, I was always leaving early. I was kind of at work by sort of seven and then I was coming home. I was quite lucky. I never... We were never there that late. I never really left work much beyond six because that was just the nature of the job I did. But still, it's quite a long day. And actually, 
when you think of that in kids' terms, if I'm out the door by half six to get to work for seven and I don't get back until half six, well, that's bedtime to bedtime, isn't yeah. it, really? Yeah. Um, and there were so many of my colleagues, actually, like ex-colleagues that I've worked with who, you know, would didn't really have a relationship with their kids, you know. Not, not that they didn't have any relationship, but it wasn't a deep relationship and certainly yeah. not the kind of relationship I would want with my kids. So it was a bit of a driving force. I got to that age really where, and I guess that was a motivator really, was I was sitting there thinking, you know, I I want to get out of this for various reasons, but one of those is that my family is really important to me. So if I'm going to yeah. meet someone and move on and, you know, settle down with kids and that, this probably isn't the space for me to be doing that. Um, so, yeah, so I was really lucky to have that time with him and, and with Lucy and it was... Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Um, but it, unfortunately, um, we realised about probably six months into him being born that, that Lucy had postnatal depression and um, oh. she suffered with that for about three years in the end. Um, oh, God. Which, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of, it's a really... Oh, thank God you were there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I yeah, I'm grateful I was, and I think she's, I think she's grateful I was, not always, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, it was like a, you know, you don't realise it's coming, right? Because you do like NCT and you do all the kind of preparations, reading books and all that kind of stuff before you have them, and then you get the whole baby blues thing, so that's almost like a red herring in some ways because it's like, oh, it's just yeah. baby blues. And then it kind of carries on for a bit longer and you're like, well, maybe it's just sleep deprivation or whatever it is. And then there's this whole exploration of like, well, what could it be? And, you know, there's a, there's fears involved in it. There's kind of pride. There's so many different components. And it's like, well, do I want to admit this to anyone? Do I speak to a yeah. GP about it? And that's such a common... Um, such a common thing that like people I think it is with parenthood in general and that's part of the reason that born humans exist in is that I want I want there to be open dialogue about these things I want kind of to encourage conversations in places where they don't usually happen and work is one yeah. of those things you know nobody talks at work about how difficult their teenagers being at the moment I mean they might do but it's kind of like oh it's tough at the moment move yeah. on kind of thing yeah, yeah. But actually, underneath the surface, that can be really traumatizing. You know, kids can be kids can be making your life really difficult, and not intentionally. Yeah. It's just the nature of being a parent. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, so after sort of six months, we sort of, Lucy kind of got the idea that that's what was going on, and we'd been to see a GP, and that kind of mobilised for about another six months. We didn't really talk about it, so not us internally we talked about it but it yeah. it didn't cross the door it wasn't like it was there was a shame to it there was a no one can kind of know she wasn't comfortable kind of sharing it with the world um oh. and i get that you know like i'd feel the same yeah. you know but i mean ultimately it'd be devastating absolutely devastating yeah i mean ultimately what i know now and um, you know what we've learned is that it's a it's a health condition it's not it's an illness it's yeah. not anything else yeah. but yet because it happens in your head and it's not a broken leg or a broken arm, yeah. to the outside world, they can't make sense of it. So when your behavior's yeah. changing, it's complicated. So it was testing and as far as the, for all of us, you know, it was really difficult. But we realized that at home, um, 
we found that we needed help and health visitors kind of thankfully helped us sort of find the right help which was good um she ended up doing drama therapy in the end a kind of art, oh, wow. art therapy which um yeah i think initially when it was suggested it was like no no like i ain't doing that <laughs> like it just sounds crazy <laughs> Um, but it was even after I like vividly remember the first session when she came back and you know they were they kind of she was given all these props and given all these things to kind of use to describe a scene so they might turn around to her and say well how did you feel before you were pregnant and that would involve kind of like coloured scarves and little kids characters and um, just loads of different things that kind of would create a picture and you'd kind of put them all into a pool and then you'd look at that picture and then say well how do you feel since baby's been born kind of thing what do you feel like now and then the colors would change and then the kind of the faces would change and the moods would change of it um and she came home kind of like telling me all about kind of how it was done and and like said so i it really helped to kind of visualize what she was going through yeah right? um and you know she was going through it with other women as well so that is another huge part of it she's normalizing the yeah. conversation she's not the only person and often that's how yeah. it feels um so yeah but one of the struggles that we had i suppose i had really was the fact that it wasn't there was nowhere for dads like you know your partners let's say partners i think that's a more reflective situation to be supporting somebody through that kind of mental illness yeah. um is really testing so she um after we'd kind of had a year or so and she said okay I'm kind of okay with you talking to your mates about it now or do what you need to do kind of thing just don't tell me um I did and I tried that and it's really difficult like you know yeah. how do you you know I, I remember coming up because I obviously moved moved down to Bath I don't see you know old friends that often so I distinctly remember going out in Camden one night with I'd gone up to see some of the boys and still at the bar it was like 11 o'clock we probably had five or six pints already and I was like I, this is the time this is the time yeah so I stood at the bar and sort of went boys I really need to talk to you about something and they were like okay yeah what's up and then I kind of spewed it for like 10 or 15 minutes and I looked at all their faces and they were like whoa <laughs> dude I'm really sorry that sounds really terrible I don't know what to do with it but you just killed the whole yeah. night like not they didn't say that but you could feel it you know so I was like yeah, yeah, okay yeah. this isn't the place to do it and I think what I learned from that was that you need the right space and you need the right sympathy empathy empathy is a better yeah. way of putting it but you need someone to understand what you're going through and unfortunately uh it's until you've been through something similar you can't really empathize with it or you can try but it's yeah. you don't know what it feels like so anyway so i i had a conversation with um at the time for kid and bear i was doing a photo shoot for the furniture and the guy was a friend of mine who was doing the photography really really loved the guy it's like super helpful he was great at what he did but he'd been gone off radar for like about two weeks trying to sort this thing out. And anyway, in the end, I'd sort of chased him a few times. And then in the end, he called me up and said, like, I've got a confession to make. I'm really sorry. Um, I've been kind of AWOL because I've been trying to avoid having to tell you. But like, we're nearly at the date. I'm going to see you. And we're mutual friends anyway. Um, 
I've got to tell you, I've had to move out. And I said, oh, what's, what's caused that? Are you all right? And he said, well, my wife's got postnatal depression and she's had postnatal depression for five years. And I said, oh, wow. So we spent an hour on the phone. I was sat in a car park at the workshop I was using at the time. Um, sun was shining and I just sat in the car for like an hour. And mm. it was the most like, it was like a light bulb. It was just the weirdest thing to kind of be like, you know, his situation was way worse than mine. And as far as like he'd had to, his marriage was kind of coming to an end in some respects. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and we were at that point, I was probably about 18 months. We were about eight, Will was about 18 months old. So, um, but it felt weirdly supportive on both sides. I mean, he came off the conversation saying, that's the most useful hour of conversation I've had in five years. And for me, it was exactly the same. It was like, yeah. do you know what? I get it now. Like, and, and I'm also, what I realise is that I'm not the only one that's kind of trying to support someone through that. Um, yeah. So it built... How long does postnatal depression last? <clears throat> There's no sort of defined time, really. I mean, it can, it can kick, comes on... Well, the kind of postnatal element of it, I think, is defined as happening within a year of birth. Okay. Um, but it's hormone... It's driven by hormones, uh, as, right, okay. as lots of these things are. Yeah. <clears throat> and it can last for as long as you make it last, almost, really, unless you, you know, finding help is the is the answer, really. Some people just navigate their way out of it independently. Yeah. Others, <clears throat> others get it much worse, you know. You can, you can get a really different there's different degrees of severity i suppose yeah um but i think what i think what's really damaging with it is the fact that obviously you're you're coming into this period of your life and at the same time someone's saying to you okay there's a baby to look after as well right so you're sleep deprived yeah. you're yeah you don't have any capacity to kind of look after yourself self-care's gone out the window um and somebody's kind of like you're sort of saying, well, how do I scramble around to kind of get support for these kind of things? Yeah. Um, and where do I find the time to look after myself in it? The baby's surely got to come first. And yeah, it, that's the challenge with it is that it is a bit of a double-edged sword. Um, and it must be so hard to recognise as well because it's really hard when you have a baby and you do feel shitty and you do cry a lot yeah. for no reason. And, you know, there's loads of things. So for you to actually know whether it's just the fact you've just had a baby or there's something more going on yeah and i suppose when you get used to stuff you might just think oh well i've just this is just how it is now since i've had a kid mm. do you know what i mean like you've got no benchmark think, oh, well, have this you? is just how it is yeah you've got no benchmark to go against and you're sort of like thrown into this sort of deep situation where it's like right make sense of it all and if you've got nothing to go against then it's just like as you say it's just normal it's just what you know yeah. And uh so yeah, I mean that's the that's the most difficult part and I think that's what creates the isolation, right? That's what creates this sort of solitude that people kind of I don't feel comfortable talking about it because am I just whinging about the fact that I've had a kid effectively? Yeah. Which yeah. you know, lots of people can't have children, they have complications, all those kind of things. That should this should be utopian almost and it just doesn't yeah. feel that way. But am I being really selfish by asking why I can't you know why I feel this way, or and so, I mean, the in interestingly, postnatal depression affects one in ten men, and yet you think, wow, yeah, and it's not like a, you know, there's nothing, there's no, there's obviously no biological c 
connection there that causes yes. that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it kicks in for a lot of men, and you sort of think, wow, wow. I mean, that is, and at the moment, where, where you stand, where we stand with it, is that men are kind of sidelined in the whole process. This isn't all about men. I think for me, we're born human. This is about families, and the whole point yes. of it is that, yeah, you know, it's about family well-being. And if one of you's kind of broken then it's going to make it more difficult for the others to kind of pick you up. So yeah. someone's got to take the slack. So it's about whole family health almost um, and well-being. But, um, yeah, so I, I realised through that that, like, there, you know, there, there wasn't... I didn't really have any support for yeah. when Lucy was going through it. Um, but I realised that I did need to talk and I, I did kind of have that, that desire to kind yeah. of share it. And that conversation with a photographer really kind of opened my mind to the fact the relief that that kind of gave me yeah and so so sorry yeah so when lucy was getting her help there was nothing offered for you no it no, was no. just there's no see i find that interesting because you'd think because obviously you're both the parents and it is obviously going to affect yeah the other person well any, any sort of caring arrangement right like carers you are a carer essentially for somebody and you're trying yeah. to and you're trying to do that at the same time as raise a child and potentially, fortunately not for me, but for most people, they're also trying to hold down a job and they're trying to yeah. bring income in and like they're not there all the time. It's it's so complicated. And we we are moving in the right direction. You know, we've done a lot of work in the last sort of five or 10 years in terms of trying to change the way health professionals kind of address address men in the equation or address partners I mean, yeah. I, by way of example, and this, this is no, I've never sort of, this has never left me, but I remember going to a midwife appointment about 30 weeks in to him, to Wilbur. And um, I remember sitting down, I was kind of, so the midwife was in her chair at her desk, I was sat next to her, and then Lucy was kind of the other side of me. And I'd asked a question, I'd said, oh, could you, I can't even remember what the question was now, but I asked her something around kind of like, what does that mean if, you know, where do we stand if the baby's breach or whatever the conversation yeah, yeah, was. Yeah. And she actively leant round me and answered my wife. <laughs> and I went, I just sort of sat there and went, oh. And then I thought, I thought I must, she must have either misheard or I'm sure our voices don't sound similar, but move on, you know, this will be all right. So I just thought I'd give her the benefit of the doubt. And then about five minutes later, I did ask another question and she did exactly the same thing. And I was like, geez, like, what is this? Like, I am a human being. Like, I, I get that I'm not carrying a baby, but like, we are a family, right? I'm yeah. I'm invested in this process. I want to be a and dad. And it's great that you are. It's great that you are asking questions and you're not just sitting there thinking, oh. God, when can I get back to work or when can yeah. I get out of here kind of thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's so it was bizarre, but it's, I mean, there's been a lot of work done that's sort of trying to change that. And I'm sort of still actively part of that campaign as such in terms of doing things to try and change that. Um, yeah. But yeah, so on the back of all that anyway i sort of navigated my own way it created it's a weird thing because it kind of creates once she recovered it kind of opened the door to all the pent-up feelings that i'd probably had which had just been kind of burying really um yeah and that wasn't like you know fortunately for me it was never like i, I didn't i never needed to sort of take it to um the extremes of needing medication or anything like that which 
you know it's quite common and quite normal and actually really helpful in a lot of cases but it never I never needed that but I did yeah. I had counseling for it and I still you know I see counseling it's funny growing up because counseling always felt like a dirty word to me growing up it was like <laughs> if you why, why would I need a counselor you know counselors are just for crazy people right but actually as an adult what I realize now is that you know I, we were talking about the gym and stuff earlier and it's like I go to the gym to stay fit so that physically my body can do what I need it to do why would I not do the same for my brain why would I not kind of look after my brain and yeah. kind of process yep. all the emotions and um I think well, I've, I'm a great fan of counselling. I had counselling for years and I think everyone should have yeah. someone to talk to once a week that's just completely private. I think that'd be amazing. Yeah. I think the world would be a better place if everyone had. Totally. And it, it... and with exercise as well, like we were saying before we started recording, that's kept me sane during lockdown. Yeah. And I found exercise probably around the same time you did, probably about five years ago I started working out. But obviously I care about how I look as most people do but for me it's the mental aspect completely it I'm so much happier yeah it's all the endorphins and everything that comes with it right yeah, yeah. and yeah. how capable you feel like when you're when you're able to exercise like you just feel like the day's so much more achievable yep although I, when I got back from my run earlier I did a big run <laughs> earlier I couldn't open my front door <laughs> <laughs> my hands my hands just don't work. I swear to God, I was standing outside my front door. It is a bit tricky anyway. And then when I did manage to get in, I had to let the cat in through the back door and he had to wait outside for quite a while because that's a smaller key. So I just couldn't. My hands just stopped working. Just don't function. So that's a bit of a concern. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Get one of those, um, what did they used to use? The the little um, grabber things that you used to have when you were a kid where you used to <laughs> pick them up and open the door with that. I was thinking, have I got something like that? <laughs> Obviously, I haven't. I was thinking, oh, yeah, but anyway, whatever. So, um, yeah, so you had counselling and that was great. Yeah. How long did you have it for? I still have counselling, like periodically. Oh, okay, it kind of cool. comes in and yeah. out. But, um, yeah. yeah, I like I, I sort of, at that period, it was, you know, that probably went on for three or four months of going to see someone okay. just to talk it through. Yeah. Kind of work it out, really, and make sense of it because you've kind of, it's, it's a trauma really i mean like whatever you're you yeah. know largely it's trauma and, and quite a lot of quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of people go through those kind of traumas when they become parents um and you just sort of assume it's all this utopian dream of like uh, you know i not to i got lots from nct there were good things that came out of nct but one of the things that i didn't get from nct was the reality of what it is to be a parent uh, i just didn't get yeah. that concept and yeah. You know, I learned a lot like that prepared me and that was great, but it was kind of I didn't have that kind of um awareness of kind of mental health or what things, you know, the, the whole concept of like oh this is your birth plan kind of thing. And that's what you're going to have. Just make sure you're strong on that when you go into the hospital and it's like out of the nine couples that sat our <laughs> NCT, not one of them got their birth plan. And you told us we'd that's all get it. <laughs> 
No one gets their birth plan. It's not a thing, is it? It never goes. No. <laughs> it's not a thing, but oh yet you're kind God. of like, you're all buoyed up. You're like, right, you don't, yeah. she won't be having any drugs. No, no, she's told me I'm her advocate. This is how it's going to go. And they're like, I think you need to pipe down a bit, sunshine. She needs to, she needs to be induced. And you're like, oh no, we weren't okay with that. That's not what we were going to do. Um, and it's not, you know, I'm not speaking badly of NCT. Like I, I genuinely got a lot out of it, but it's like, there yeah. was some, things that i think would have really been really beneficial to kind of include um they should talk about postnatal <clears throat> depression yeah they should talk anxiety, about anxiety postnatal the, depression yeah. psychosis there's maybe so there's many things warning signs yeah you know it's just kind of you know it's all about normalizing the conversation and i you know so since then i've done some i on the back of all this once we come out of it i i started working with a um a charity called dads in mind who are part of a bigger charity called bluebell and they're all about paternal uh, mental health and perinatal mental health um yeah uh the, the charity is kind of 10 years old and dads in mind is basically the the male arm of it effectively and it kind of supports partners through the, with their mental health and so i set that up in uh in baines which is kind of covers bath and northeast somerset um and mm. ran that for kind of nearly two years uh and what i learned from that it was a peer support service you know so i'm not clinically trained in any way i'm not going in there with any kind of uh medical i've got medical knowledge and as far as like from what i've learned but it's not i'm by yeah. no means a professional um but what i wanted to create initially i wanted to create it myself through kid and bear that was the plan we were like oh well we're going to change the shape of kid and bear and give it a charitable element because we were donating to charity at that point, but we weren't necessarily kind of, we were like, actually, this is a missing piece of the puzzle. And then when yeah. this, when it came about that dads in mine were kind of already doing it and they were looking for somebody around here, I was like, okay, well, let's cut out all the admin. Let me just get on with the work. That's all I really care about. Yeah. So I was running support groups for dads, which was like, uh, so we'd, we'd run them once a month where dads would come along for a couple of hours and we'd sit down in a comfortable space we'd get pizzas in and um just sit down and chew the fat over what people are going through um yeah and i'd do one-to-ones as well so that was you know like we'd go for a walk or take phone calls and zoom was less of a thing back then but last year it was a much bigger thing um yeah. but what i realized doing that was that actually i don't i don't need to be clinically trained to kind of empathize with what someone's going through and give them what i felt like i was missing was that yeah. that ear to kind of hear what you've got going on and somebody who kind of gets it. And one of the most powerful things that, excuse me, that I got through the dad's groups was watching the most successful groups I ever ran were the ones where I really didn't say a lot. And that's not because I'm, you know, boring, <laughs> <laughs> although some would argue. Um, but it, it's about them watching them do the work themselves, you know, like, you know, yeah. seeing them kind of run through it in a way where, and I remember one vivid, vividly where there was a guy who'd kind of come along. It was his very first session. He had a daughter who was 11 months old and he'd kind of the week or two before when he'd first called me, he was on the phone in tears saying, look, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can oh. sort of talk about it, but I'm going to come cause I want to change it. And I, but I, you have to bear with me if I get upset kind of thing. And I was like, that's cool. Like, you you know, there is no judgment here, mate. This is private. It's a, it's a safe space to kind of talk about what's going on. Anyway, he kind of, 
got through kind of explaining what was going on for him. He didn't have a bond, uh, bond or connection with his daughter. He felt like he was very separate. The whole breastfeeding thing was causing him difficulties in terms of connecting with both his daughter and his wife. Um, yeah. And he was like, it's been 11 months and I just don't, I don't feel like it's ever going to change. And then a guy sat across the room from him, had a little boy who was two and a bit. And he said, if there's any consolation, I went through that for two years and I've just come out of it. And he said, and it's the most awesome thing now. Like I, I get where you were because I sat there and watched it and I felt it. Um, yeah. But for him, like to sort of, I never saw him again. He was like, that's amazing. Like, thanks dude. Like, and I, I do have still kept in touch with him or I did until yeah. I, I left. But, um, you know, and the the last year of sort of keeping in touch with him, he's in so much of a better place. And it's not to say that, you know, I'm not taking credit for that. It's about two guys yeah. who are kind of yeah. experiencing the same thing. And they're able to kind of know that there is light at the end of the tunnel and that they yeah. it's not as deep as it might feel in that moment, you know, and yeah. it will end. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I... Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. I, like, in terms of it, it changed, you know... I selfishly it was a really rewarding thing to do because it was like yeah. just taking what's the point in going through adversity i suppose if you can't use it for someone else's benefit in terms of sharing yep. that and kind of building it and uh, so from that point of view it, it was kind of using my own experience to kind of leverage that into encouraging it out of others and helping them kind of share and you get guys that would come along and wouldn't would kind of sit and not talk a lot but afterwards you still saw that they got a lot out of it because the listening yeah. was enough, you know, and it's yeah. different strokes for different folks, you know, it's like whatever works for you. But like, I don't think there was ever a dad who came along. who didn't kind of leave going, actually, it doesn't feel as heavy now, you know, or like, you know, it's, yeah. it's a bit better. So, yeah. So, um, I did that for like two years and then it, when lockdown sort of kicked in last year, I was like, the thing that I realized was that I'm always, in those situations, what I was always doing was dealing with a problem long after it could have been dealt with or, it, you know, that old sort of nip it in the buds. Well, if you yeah. had those warning signs or if you had those kind of questions being asked earlier in the equation, would you get, well, I think, I believe you would get a much shorter outcome, you know. You wouldn't get like a situation where you'd end up with somebody who's, quite depressed and considering taking their own life or you know yeah, like talking yeah. about leaving their wife because they just can't do it anymore or you know if we can catch that earlier and that's largely education so that was kind of last year I was like well I want to get upstream and I want to change people's you know running to becoming a parent because if we can do that then they end up in a much better place and hopefully something like dads in mind becomes uh, not redundant but it's certainly uh, it reduces the burden on it and it also it, it kind of limits the amount of people that have to go down that road you know yeah yeah um so yeah so that was kind of where born human came from was trying to find those places where people can access that kind of information and and the workplace is exactly that it is somewhere where yeah. you are through pregnancy you're still working um yeah. all through you know those people that struggling having children they're going through kind of like IVF and miscarriages and all those kind of yeah. things and you're at work through all of that kind of stuff and actually yeah. it's, a, it's a place where you keep it very private you rarely talk about it at work and if you could create an environment where actually it felt like that was an 
an integral part of you being human because ultimately that's yeah. what it is you know your yeah. work is exactly the same um then that's that's where we want to go with it really so um yeah so it's, so what do you what do you do what do you offer then do you so we're um, the way we've we've chosen to work with it is that we try not to offer bespoke uh, sorry not bespoke we try not to offer off-the-shelf products so we're not kind of i've spent enough years in a corporate to know that i've done training courses that are uh, a good use of me trying to fall asleep for eight hours because i'm not really interested <laughs> in the content because it's like it's just relevant it's kind of like a tick box exercise yes. that is definitely yeah, yeah, what we're yeah. not we're not about tick box exercise we are the idea being that we work with organizations specifically to find out what their problem looks like first so we'd go into an organization and sit down and say what's your demographic so let's look at your let's look at your workforce so you've got 40 employees 20 of whom are women 20 of whom are men your average age is x your the amount of children that you're likely to have in the organization is why um how many of them have got older parents because that's another consideration parenting is kind of like we've all been parented we may be parents now but also this whole sandwich generation thing of like having to look after the elderly because we're all living longer as well and um, you're yep. still parenting i mean you know chris is a great example of that like someone that we yes. both know who's kind of spent a long time looking after his own parents because they're older and yep. struggling um but yeah, he hasn't got his own kids, so he's still going through the same yeah, struggles, but yeah. it's just in a different capacity. So it's kind of like we've, we've chosen to be brave with it in as far as saying we're not going to give you something that on your website, on a website we'll be able to say, right, we'll deliver this, this, and this. But what we do want to cover is kind of antenatal education. We want to offer kind of postnatal support and education in terms of supporting the workforce through the challenges they're facing, and that might be through peer support it might be counseling psychotherapy whatever that might look like um yep but one of the other things that we're really keen to create is kind of these uh, what we call micro networks which are within work that you kind of create that nct at work so you're yeah because everyone does that right you go to nct and it's like the m most useful thing i got out of nct was a whatsapp group that i could text at three o'clock in the morning um yes yeah yeah so and I'm not saying that you'd be te necessarily texting your work colleagues at three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> but there is an empathy that you're all kind of going on the same journey. Yeah. And so yeah. a freedom to kind of speak freely, I suppose, about what you're going through. And the other thing I think that it could really, uh, that we believe the benefit it could add is that you've got, at the moment, there's a real divide between work and home life. They're, they're treated as very separate things. And, you know, you're expected to come to work and deliver at work and be productive. Um, and yet at home, you're obviously expected to do the same. But the integration in the middle is kind of missing, really. Yeah. So what we're after, really, is finding employers that are really passionate about supporting their staff through their whole life journey, effectively, and recognising the role that it plays. Because you're, you know... If if they're not happy at home, they're not happy at work. So yeah. you're getting fifty percent at best probably of what somebody's actually capable of. Yeah. And so we want we want to create an environment where the workplace is somewhere you can feel free to be open and honest about what you're going through, I suppose. And it doesn't feel like a, a threat that you you know, you'll be passed over for promotions or whatever if you tell them that you're struggling with anxiety yes. or that's such a common thing and it's it's a fear yeah. that 
lots of organizations have done some really great work with it and there are some really good examples of businesses that i've seen that are I mean, Channel 4 the other day did a really great thing. Uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before. They gave everyone a day off. They just said, it's been a really tough year. We're shut for today. There are some people coming in to just man the, you know, man our station so that we can still put yeah. content out. And they'll be taking the day in lieu. But everyone else is down tools. I mean, like that's a massive organisation to be saying, right, yeah. nobody comes to work today. And I yeah. guess lots of people are working from home, but still it's like, you know, the burden's gone. And I, you know, commend them for doing things like that. It's about yeah. saying we're more than just, we're more than just a product of how much money we make in the business that we offer, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah, so that's kind of where we want to go. And I, I'm, funny enough, I, like I am, I've just started the, I think I mentioned to you before, but I'm just about to launch a podcast myself, which is about looking at journeys in parenthood. And kind of what people yes. are going through. So, this will be reciprocated, Amy. I imagine you'll be coming on mine to talk about life as a single parent. <laughs> I imagine. Um, but uh, oh, I'd love to. Oh, you have to now, anyway, because you can't <laughs> deny it. Your, your listeners would be devastated if you ignored me. Um, but yeah, like you know, to see to know that everybody's journey is kind of unique, and that there is a yeah. but there are a lot of commonalities between people. And if you can see those and feel them in your own story then it just makes it feel that less bit less dominating, you know, in your life. So Yeah. And lonely. Yeah. Because everyone does go through the same things pretty much, you know. That was the good thing about um, going to baby groups. Yeah. Was we'd chat with all the mums and everyone had the same stories, like with the feeding and the arguments with their partner and, yeah. you know, sleeping. You know, it's everyone's got the same and it just makes you feel normal. Yeah. Because everyone else is going through it. Yeah. And of course there would be women who are obviously going through deeper issues which I can't really remember if I ever had conversations but then again like I said it's hard to know yeah if you're feeling shitty you just had a baby yeah that's but just what it is right shitty. yeah yeah I, had, I remember so having in, and we're talking about the empathy thing and sort of knowing I remember having a conversation with Mark a, a mutual friend of ours um because uh, they had their little boy would was sleeping in their bed till he was like three and every time I saw him he was like dude I'm so tired like I just <laughs> I just can't function and I was like well Mark just like oh, this is before I had kids right so but I remember him sort of talking about it he came around to see us one day at our house and uh I said um he said, oh, mate, I'm so tired. He just doesn't get any sleep. He sleeps horizontal in the bed. He keeps kicking me. And I was like, Mark, isn't it just a case that you do? I've watched it on the telly. And don't you do, don't you just do like a week's sleep training? That's it, right? Just suck it up. I know it's hard for that week, but just get on with it. And uh, I, was, I remember being really kind of like buoyant on it and kind of pushy on it almost. And uh, he was like, oh, dude, no, it's just, you know, just leave it it's fine it's not and I was like come on you know back yourself you'll get it done <laughs> anyway then like a year into having Wilbur I phoned him specifically to apologize to say <laughs> I owe you the biggest apology because I'm driving out at three o'clock in the morning to get that kid to sleep and I don't know what to do with myself yeah. like I'm not functioning and you just don't know it until you're going through it do you but it's um yeah yeah that was you know I felt I needed to make that apology because it's so easily done, isn't it? But yeah, it happens. Juno still sleeps with me. Yeah. Oh, I got to a photo actually last night. I walked upstairs. So she's seven. She's 
I mean, she's not that tall, but she was literally, she'd got so many teddy bears and like a blanket and a pillow and was laying like diagonally across the bed. <laughs> just like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> like, if you're going to, I don't mind if she sleeps in my bed, but it's like, don't bring all your toys in. Yeah, yeah. If you want your toys, sleep in your own Come bed. Come into sleep. Yeah, it's, yeah. They don't want yeah, that though, I Amy, mean, do they? What they want is you with them in their bed, basically. And if you're not going to do yeah. that, then I'll basically, if Mohammed won't come to the mountain, I'll bring the mountain to you. And and that's kind of it, isn't it? But yeah. It's, yeah, it's, but I, she won't sleep in my bed forever. No, that's, I and mean, that's I, it. And I sleep, so it's not a problem. If I didn't sleep, it'd be a problem. Yeah. But we both sleep, and I'm like, whatever. We're, we've got, I mean, like, uh, so we, we ended up getting a sleep trainer in for Wilbur because. At like 18 months, like I say, we were driving out at like three o'clock in the morning for like an hour at a time, trying to get him off, then bringing him in. And it went on for like way too long. And in the end, someone said, you need to get some help. And we had a lady, she's magical as far as I'm concerned. She came in for a week or five nights. She stayed, she stayed with us in the spare room. And yeah. uh, for the first three nights... She does the night. So at the very least, you're paying her for three nights full sleep because she does all the work, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which I still so thought was good she, value. What do they do? Do you know what they do? Is it a secret? Yeah, no, that's not a secret. Like Nanny so, McPhee. Oh, do you know, it's, it's, the most, it's the most annoying thing because on the first night she said, right, so what I'll do is I'll come round, you put him to bed as normal. But at that point, he wouldn't go in a sleeping bag. Like literally, it was like the world was ending if you put him in a sleeping yeah. bag. How old was he, 18 months? He was 18 months, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the world was in if you put him in a sleeping bag. He yeah. wouldn't sleep without a dummy, and he wasn't interested in, like, a comfort or a teddy or anything like that, right? So he would he would go to sleep, but, like, it, it was just, like, it was hellish kind of thing. You know, it could take us an hour, two hours sometimes to get him off. Anyway, so she said, what I want you to do, what I want you to do is to put him in the sleeping bag. He doesn't have a dummy. And you put him down and just let him cry. And when he cries, I'll, I'll be here. So then I'll take over. And I was like, okay, like, good luck. You'll you'll enjoy <laughs> this, love. And uh, and then within like, uh, so she was sort of outside the bedroom. We came downstairs. We were sitting on the sofa listening. And all she did was open the door and she went, shh, shh, and just shut the door again. And I was like, Hang on a minute. Why is he lying down? Is he stopped? Is he not doing anything? And then he just went to sleep. And I was like, that is ridiculous. That is not a thing. Like how I've tried that. Like I've watched that on YouTube and that did not work. So why is it any different? Anyway, so she did this this thing and that wasn't the end of it kind of thing. Yeah. Because he'd wake up in the night and that was always a thing. Um, but it was the same thing. She kind of, she sort of gradually eased him off the the connection I suppose and the connectivity of being with someone and he kind of you just go in lay him down and this whole sort of shush you know even when even when she was teaching us how to do that she was like right practice your shush and I was like practice my shush like I know how to shush I'm nearly 40 years old I know how to shush and she was like no no show me so I was like okay yeah and she was like from the belly from the belly I was like all right, okay, let me give it another go. She was like, stronger, harder, farmer, faster. And I was like, really? Anyway, it did work and it was different. And it, I don't know what it was, but it did work. And she, so she does like three nights. And then after the three nights are up, then you take over and she kind of just watches you and guides you. 
um and she sort of just observes from the outside and there's this whole process that she's kind of like okay so you go and lie down now turn to church and go leave the room um but he's good as gold now like i mean he she fixed him wow. like i think it was like we paid like 800 quid and it was like the best 800 pound i've ever spent <laughs> like it's amazing <laughs> But the irony is that now we're number two. She's like 19 months and she's getting some bad habits now as well. So we're like, she was a really good sleeper as a baby. And now we're yeah. like, you know, she wakes up at like four, five o'clock, which isn't that bad, I suppose. But then we've taken but what to... what does she want to do? Does she want to come in with you? Uh, currently, what she wants to do is forge holes in my face, like with her finger, <laughs> like as deep as she possibly can. <laughs> Like she's she's obsessed with kind of my my mouth and my nose and my ears and just like just pods and pokes. I took her to the garden centre the other day, right, to get a Mother's Day. I got we got Lucy a uh, plant for Mother's Day, and uh, I was like, well, you guys choose it. That's well, Wilbur will choose it because he's five and she's definitely not capable of that. Had her on my shoulders. She took both her hands and wedged them into the inside of my cheeks and just yanked them backwards. <laughs> And I like it, I thought I felt like I had a Chelsea smile or something. I was like, that is so painful. Like you're like nineteen months old. How do you cause that much pain? Oh my god. But she I mean she's great. She's just a little pocket rocket. She's full of love oh, and energy and she's funny. full of smiles. But oh. she's you know, so we're kind of like I'm like you, I sleep. Like I say, even if they wake up, I can go back to sleep yeah. pretty quickly. Sadly for Lucy, that's not the same. She doesn't really sleep as well. So we're just sort of like at that sort of clinch point at the moment of like we should do some sleep training but we don't really want to face the pain so maybe we could just yeah, ride it out it's hard yeah and that is quite early i mean <clears> i suppose if it was more six o'clock then my mate's kid wakes up at five six o'clock every day yeah, yeah. like and that then he's just awake yeah and that's i mean she always the sleep trainer always said uh anything before six is like a no-go so whatever they're unacceptable. doing unacceptable before six seven ideally and then it's like you know between six and seven you just play it by ear a little bit but um yeah i don't know i mean like like you say like you you make it work don't you it's like and it, it, everyone is unique to each of us because the kids are all unique as well right you can't yeah you yeah. can't apply yeah you can apply the same principles because it obviously works like she wouldn't have come around here with a plan and then gone uh, and yeah, changed yeah, yeah. it so yeah uh, the difficulty is i think we we swore this time that if we had a problem we'd get her in super early so be like because she's cheaper as well so the earlier you get her in the less hassle she has so she's like i won't be there as long yeah. so i won't charge you as much so i was like right if she's causing us a problem at three months bang her in then she can just come and yeah. sort it out um but obviously with coronavirus, then she's not able to kind of come and do what she would normally do. Yeah, of course. We did have a garden meeting with her at one point about <laughs> nine months ago, <laughs> sat outside until, until like 10 o'clock at night talking about what we do. But um, yeah. So yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know about that. I, yeah because she's not going to be like it forever but it's just how long you can how long you can stomach it but i i, I yeah. kind of work on a basis if she sleeps through to like five i can live with that like and i can probably get her to sleep till seven if i'm in bed with her then that's just like two hours and eventually yeah. she'll kind of work it out but yeah, it's it's the price of being a parent i think to some extent isn't it you get it you always get it at some point yeah i just when i mean 
my kids, they don't get up early. I've been very, very lucky. They've always slept. Yeah. But I think if they had done, then it's just when they're teenagers. Yeah. Hoovering. Exactly. Seven yeah. o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> or banging on the door really loudly to, to you get know, them out. You'll get them back. Yeah, yeah. That's it. It comes one way or another. <laughs> Somewhere along it? the line. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. But it's um, yeah, so they're all good, and it's yeah, as I say, it's 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 the cost of it, isn't it? It's just what it is. But um, yes, they make us yeah. very happy in many other ways, don't they? So that's yes, they do, that's something. and that's not the worst. You know, it could be worse. Oh, totally. You always think it could be worse. It could be worse. <laughs> worse things happen at sea, or whatever they say. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much for coming on. Well, thanks for having me. It sounds wonderful what you do. I'll post all the links. Thank you very so much. So what's, what's the next plan? Yeah, so you're just building it up at the moment. Yeah, so we're just sort of actively trying to get out and talk to businesses about what we're doing. Um, yeah. I'm doing some sort of presentations and seminars, which will be kind of volunteering to businesses to kind of raise awareness for what we're doing and kind of explore what we can do. Um, yeah. And, yeah, so I'm kind of working on it's interesting where where it goes because lots of things are coming up that i never anticipated which is really lovely and it proves the point that it it has so many different applications it's just trying to yeah as as everything with a new business it's trying to stay true to exactly what you want and not just getting overly excited about that sounds really cool and that, i'd love to be a part of that but it's like well that's not yeah. what my focus should be right now um but because I'm passionate about the cause and I'm passionate about changing outcomes, then it's like yeah. if something could change outcomes, then I'm interested, you know. But yeah, yeah so it's uh, yeah, ultimately we're, we're sort of just trying to get out and, and sort of get our name out there, work with businesses and sort of see how, how it evolves. But um, yeah, I'm quite excited. Well, I think it's wonderful and I think it's really important what you're doing. So thank you, Amy. well That's done very you. Very kind, yeah. And thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure, absolutely. Thank pleasure. you for coming really enjoyed it and yeah get do your podcast i will yeah yeah you're you're on don't the trailer's up already the trailer's up so <laughs> that's it you're lined up now that's done <laughs> we'll book it in i'll get it get it in and we'll uh yeah we'll have it you just gotta start doing it that's right just start doing it well that's right it's that's it as i say it's been we've been pro i've been procrastinating over how it should look but i think now it's now it's found its feet it'll be um it yeah. feels like it's got purpose now so that's that's all i wanted so yeah Good. We'll be doing this conversation again in a different form soon, Amy. Yes. Thank you very much. Oh, so <laughs> All right, well, thank you so okay, much. You too. All right, take care. Cheers, you too. Bye. Bye. Oh, love Andy. Isn't he a nice bloke? And he's doing such good things in the world. Um, oh, I'm going to share everything if you want to get in touch with him. Um, if you want to get in touch with me. Mum and Mama Pod on all the socials, Mum and Mama Pod at gmail.com as well. If you've got anything you'd like to share with me, I'd love to have you on. I love talking to people, as you well may have gathered. I've got loads of good episodes coming up. I'm very excited to share them with you. But we've also got loads of good episodes in the past as well. If you haven't, if this is your first time listening, check out some of the other episodes. We've had some amazing people on. Child psychologist Joanna Fortune's been on a few times. She's really good. Got the nicest voice in the world. Had Kelly LaRock on. We've had loads of people on. It's amazing. Amazing. But yeah, get in touch if there's anyone you'd like to hear that I've not had on already. Have a lovely Sunday. Subscribe to the podcast, please. And share. Sharing's caring. All right, big love. See you next week. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.